seem really talkative today. Once we get the music turned down, that'll be great. There we go. Thank you, Christine. Good morning, New Life. I am your official welcomer this morning. So welcome to New Life. We're glad that you're here today. I do got something we got to deal with, though. One, tithes and offerings. You know what to do. Just do it. But I want to talk about something a little different. And it's, it's hard to preach when, when you know people are coming in and they're kind of struggling with things. Kind of struggling with relationship. Kind of struggling with issues with each other. We're supposed to be believers in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to love one another, right? Amen. In fact, the evidence of his salvation is that we would actually love one another. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. When was the last time you got on your knees and prayed? And at my age, with my brokenness, I know that's really difficult. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. He's all of our fathers. All of our Father. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, God is your Father. And I got the same dad. And dad's watching us and he's paying attention to what's going on in our lives. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Meaning that there is an opportunity for the spirit of God to do something great in your life today. Do you believe that? But it's something that he grants us because we ask him for it. Why do we do that? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So that you may have strength to comprehend what is the, uh, the with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth or how awesome God is. Is God not awesome to you guys? Am I the only one that thinks that God is awesome? See, we're a little slow this morning. We'll get into it. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I thought about this. When was the last time you got on your knees and prayed this for somebody that you're struggling with? When was the last time you prayed this for someone you're struggling with? How different would, would the situation be if Christ was dwelling in their hearts? If Christ was dwelling in their hearts, how different would your battle be? How different would your struggle be with this individual? How different would the situation be if the relationship is rooted and grounded in love? If your relationship with this person was rooted and grounded in love, not anger or bitterness or frustration or hurt, So that together you would have strength to comprehend, I think, together how big God is. God is bigger than whatever problems you're having with people. He's bigger than that. And his plan for us is bigger than for us just to be angry at people who, who have hurt us or who have offended us or who we've been offended at. Can you comprehend how loving Christ is? 
He gave his life for you and for me. Like he sacrificed himself that we might be free from the sins that we commit against God and man. And yet he still went to the cross and gave his life for us. That's how much he loves us. So how can we sit in here as believers in Jesus Christ and have aught with our brother or sister? How different would it be if you prayed, not that God would destroy them, but God would empower them to be the kind of Christian that would love and have compassion and have strength. How different would your situation be if you were both filled with the fullness of God? I don't see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit arguing with each other and getting hurt by each other and getting offended by each other. I don't see them having that problem. Then we who are believers in Jesus Christ ought to bear the same image as as our Father in heaven. So let's stand. And I want you to consider somebody at work you might have a problem with. How different it would be if Jesus Christ indwelt them? How different would it be? You've got somebody in the church you've got a problem with. How different would it be if you were coming at it from an angle of Christ indwelling you and them? So I want to do this real quick. I want to open the altar up. Spirit move. Spirit move. If you've got an issue, why don't you just come get on your knees and pray to your Father in heaven. For the strength and power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Spirit move. To forgive or to love. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father. We can't hear from you today if we're sitting here with aught towards our brother or sister. We are supposed to set the example of how it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and how we should show the world how much love and compassion and grace and mercy that you have through our lives. Help us get things right today before we... Let us Hear be from filled you. with love. Let Lord, us touch your heart. You got somebody you got on with. Why don't you just come? There's no shame in it. Jesus, just come get on your bring knees. it to me. Bring it to me. Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Christ in them so that our relationships with them are based upon a mutual love and mercy and grace. 
that we would forgive the way that you forgive, that we would live the way that you live, that we would love the way that you love. Because I believe you're trying to do a work in these people today that our sin against another might hinder us from seeing you clearly. That we might be actually grieving your spirit because we want to hold on to offense. How different would it be if we prayed that Christ wouldn't dwell everyone in the room? How different would marriages be if it was two Christians living together? Not in name, but in deed. How different would work be if we were working with other believers? How would church be if we started actually living as if we were both children of the king? And dad's brought us together to settle things and to get things right, to love one another. Father, as we worship you today, let us worship you with pure hearts. We have prayed for the person we have a problem with and that forgiveness is beginning to well up in them and grace, surrender. Encourage our hearts today, Father, that you would meet with us, please. In Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, let's worship. Let praise arise, 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 let praise arise. Let praise arise, let praise arise, let praise arise, let praise arise. 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 Let praise ar
all proclaiming who you are. You're beautiful.
So according to scripture, God's promises never fail, and he is always good. He is always with us. He is faithful. He is kind and compassionate. He has designed each of us for a purpose. He loves us each deeply. He fills us with his overwhelming peace and his hope. He strengthens us. He gives us wisdom when we ask, and he promises us an abundant life in him. In him. Key words. So Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He knows the plans he has for us, says the Lord. Plans for good, not disaster, to give us hope in a future. So this next song, we're gonna, we're gonna proclaim them. We're gonna declare them, and like Elsie said this morning, we're gonna claim them. Oh! 
future and my hope your promises never fail your promises never fail your promises never fail no your promises never take a moment, bow our heads, and just give him some thanks. Just, just thank him for keeping his word to you. one time. Not, not one time has what he said to us been a lie. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. 
Not one time has he led us down the wrong path. Not one time has he not been there when it was time for him to be there. Even if you've been in the grave for three days, he can still come and resurrect that dead body that he's. Your promises still stand. Your promises still stand. Your promises still stand. God, let our words match our heart today. Let the songs we sing and the praise we give match what we really believe about you. And let that superhero that is within each one of us, that man or woman of faith, come alive today. We need to hear from you today. Minimize anything that is mine. And make sure everything that is yours is loudly heard, not just in the ear, but in the heart. We so desperately need to hear from you today. Encourage our hearts to find what's been hidden behind a a mask. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, we pray and all God's people said. Y'all may be seated. We are in a series called Finding Your Inner Superhero, and we're using Hebrews chapter 11 for the, for the verses for that. We're into Abraham today. Abraham is one of the top Bible characters. Most of the uh, book of Genesis is about Abraham. And so you're not going to get everything because Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about Abraham, doesn't talk about everything that Abraham went through. But go through Genesis and you'll read the story of Abraham. It's a good, he's a good example for us to follow because... He's just like you and me. I think that's where we get really messed up on these Bible characters. We, we make them superheroes different than us. And you know what Abraham didn't have that we have? We, we got to see Jesus on the other side of his crucifixion. We got the experience of the Holy Spirit, not just in us and, and leaving us, but in us all the time. And that's not exciting for any of you. <laughs> They long to have what we have. Yeah, they did amazing things. And what are we doing? Sorry, I didn't mean to tear us down so quickly. He came from a family that worshipped false gods, but he found the one true God and became a father of the Jewish people. And what I love about the word of God is how true it is, but also how honest it is. He was not a perfect person. And I think we look at Bible characters as if they've got to be these perfect people. Just like you look at pastors and think they've got to be so perfect. Yeah, don't, don't respond to that. Just, just let it go. Abraham had moments where he doubted, where he feared, where he wavered. But, but if you ever take the time to read his story, the whole trajectory of his life was a life of growing faith. He didn't just get it at the beginning and become this superhero. He spent time growing in Christ. He spent time growing in God. 
He believed in God's promises, and though at times they seemed far-fetched. The Bible says this about him in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It says, he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. His faith caused him to live a life in such a way that caused God to say, you're right with me. See, I believe his faith journey is not much different than ours. I think though we may stumble at times, faith matures over time and and it increases every year. You should be closer to God today than you were yesterday. You should have greater faith today than you had yesterday. Maybe not yesterday. How about a month ago? Does that make it easier? So I believe as I read these stories, if I read the, the life of Abraham, I can see myself in it. I can see you in it. I've been doing this long enough to know that this is kind of the faith journey that everybody has, but we don't talk about it in, in the way that we should. So what's it look like? What's, what's Abraham's faith life look like? He sought the one true God. He sought the one true God. He was raised by a father who was a worshiper of false gods, and he lived in a culture that worshiped false gods. And he obviously believed that these weren't enough. Their gods weren't big enough. Their gods weren't relational enough. Their gods weren't worth following. So he began to seek the one true God. And at some point, he found him. We know this because God spoke to him. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Later on in his story, you'll see where he built altars and where he... He began to worship God. He began to call upon the name of the Lord. He began to have this relationship with God Almighty that he couldn't find in the, in the false gods of the world. See, Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you'll find him if you search with him with all your heart and with all your soul. If you put the effort in, you'll find the one true God. But most of us don't put the effort in. Even though our God may not be the God of Abraham. And, I, and I, I wrote this and I believe it to be true. Because when he found him, Abraham found him, he left everything. He left his family. He left his homeland. He left everything. He so believed in this one true God that he was willing to leave everything behind. And I thought about this. If the God you're following is not awesome enough to leave everything, he's not much of a God. Amen. I mean, if he's a religion, yeah, don't leave anything. But if he's the one true God, if he's truly a God, if he's truly God, he's worth leaving everything for. Okay, we didn't get that very well. Because I think a lot of people believe in a God that's a little g God, a small God, a tiny God, a weak God, a a God that doesn't show up on time, our time, meaning he doesn't, he's should surrender to our will, not us surrendering to his. But Abraham sought the one true God and he found him and he was so, so fascinated with this God that he left everything to follow him. And in doing so, he surrendered his life to the word of God. Hebrews eleven eight 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Remember, faith is not what we say we believe. It's what we show we believe. And Abraham showed it by obeying God. 
He knew the promises of God, even though he didn't have a place. And he just so believed what God said. God was the one. Listen, if you're, I'll say the same thing again. If your God's not worth following according to his word, he's not much of a God. If you believe that he's dishonest or you believe that he's not telling you the truth, find another God. Keep worshiping money. Keep worshiping your job. Keep worshiping whatever else you worship. But if he's the one true God, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 comes into play, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll tell you where to go. He'll tell you when to leave. He'll tell you where to go. He'll tell you how to go, why to go. But you've got to obey his word. Now, Abraham stumbled when his fear overruled his faith. And this is, this is a large part of the story, but there was a, a drought and he um, went to Egypt. And Pharaoh in Egypt could take any woman that he wanted. And his wife, Sarah, was beautiful. And she was so beautiful that the king ended up taking her to be his wife. Because people were talking about how awesome she is, how um, gorgeous she was. And Abraham told her to tell the king that, that she's his sister. Because what he was afraid of is he, he, if he was the husband, they would kill the husband and take the wife. So he was afraid for his own life. And there's a whole lot more to this story, but I'll just say that Abraham didn't have enough faith in God yet to believe that God had the power to protect him. And that's true in our lives as well. There's times that we fail because we don't believe God will take care of us. We... It's, it's part of our growing faith. And so we've got to kind of go through some difficult times and go through some trial and tribulation to kind of find out that, okay, God will keep his word, but you've got to take a step of faith first. See, I think this is where a lot of our sin comes from. We're afraid what people will say or do, so we lie and let fear overrule our faith. And that's normal. That Abraham did it, and the Bible doesn't hide it that he lied about it. Now, she really was his sister, but he was lying to protect himself. Different mothers don't get all freaky. It's what they did back then. They, we don't do it now. Unless you're from Tennessee. I'm sorry to anybody from Tennessee. I, sometimes, sometimes these things slip out and, and I'll repent of them. The fourth thing we find about Abraham's life is that he separated his life to stay clean from the culture. There was this time where he realized that he needed to live a different life than what was living in the, in, the, in the world that he was living in. So moving on from that experience, Abraham and his nephew Lot, uh, because of trouble between their families, had to move apart. And Abraham gave Lot a choice where he wanted to live. And Lot chose the city. And you know there's more sin in the city than there is in the country. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Where's all my country folk? <laughs> Oh, we're ruled by city people now. I'm sorry about that. But Lot chose to live near Sodom, which was a wicked city. And the Bible tells us this in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. Speaking of God, if you rescued righteous Lot, meaning Lot, was, Lot lived in the city, but he wasn't living like the city. But the scripture says, he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. How many of you like to watch the news? Like, 
you really enjoy the news. I struggle with the news because, like, it's so negative. And it can, like, I used to take my uh, granddaughter to school and I would turn on the local station thinking that's going to be all positive because everything's positive in Astoria. <laughs> and they would talk about murders and rapes and all, all the negativity. I, I couldn't let my eight-year-old granddaughter listen because all, I didn't want her to think all Papa listens to is this negative stuff. Okay, now you all must like the news more than I thought you did. But you know that feeling you get when you watch something and it just kind of messes with your soul? There comes a point in time where you've got to choose either to live in that or separate from it. Abraham separated from it. He chose to stay away from sinful things so as to not torment his righteous soul. There's, there's people that are so negative, I can't be around them because they just torment my soul. You can't say a word without it coming back negative. It's like, ah, stay away. My soul, my soul. Okay, I'm the only one that gets that. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. And this, this is a passage that I've been going over for the last few months. And it's really been resonating with me. And, and what John is saying is, is this. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Now, practice is, is doing. It's it's like something you consistently do. Whoever makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So you want to know what sin is? It's not the individual things that we like to specify. It's literally living life any way we choose, even if it's against God's command. Sin is choosing to live life any way you want. It's lawless. There's no law against it. And he goes on to say, you know that he, speaking of Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins. And in him is no sin. There was no sin in Jesus. No one who abides in him, in Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Now, John's getting pretty specific here. He says, if you keep on sinning, if you're practicing sin, you've never seen him or known him. So if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ and there's sin in your life, and it's been the same sin that's been going on in your life for a long time, that means you're practicing sin. You obviously did not meet Jesus. You obviously did not meet the Jesus of the Bible. Who, I, I, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Whoever works at their spiritual life is righteous. As he is righteous, meaning we're trying to live like Jesus. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. I love when the Bible's really clear. Like, I don't got to add anything to that. If you're practicing sin, you're of the devil. You can claim Jesus all you want. But if you're making a practice of sin, if you're choosing to be just like the culture, you're of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. No, I mean, how much more specific do you got to get when it comes to sin? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. He can't, you can't. If the Spirit of God indwells you, you can't keep sinning. I'm getting violent now. <laughs> you can't. 
Because he's been born of God. Once you've been born of God, you've got the spirit of God indwelling you. You can't keep on sinning. It's impossible for you to do that if the spirit of God indwells you. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. I'm just reading what the word of God says. Don't be yelling at me. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. I love how he kind of throws that one in there because 1 John's all about loving your brother as evidence that you are saved. See, Abraham chose to change his life. He didn't want to live... He's, I think he was kind of glad that Lot chose Sodom because he didn't want to be a city dweller. He began to change his life and he began to stop doing the things that he used to do because they were against the word of God. And he didn't have to be told to do it. He just read what, or just listened to the voice of God and God said, don't do that anymore. He, he didn't have the word the way that we have it. Abraham separated his life to stay clean from the culture. Abraham shared the promises of God with his wife because at first it was Abraham and God speaking to each other. Now, later on, his wife heard God speaking to Abraham, but Abraham shared the message. God promised Abraham and Sarah children that they would be like the stars uh, in the sky. And they waited and they waited and they waited for God, but Sarah didn't have a child until in, in her 90s. Could you imagine that? God makes a promise, but he waits until like the most impossible time. <laughs> like... I'm 59 and I'm thinking, I'm glad I don't have any more kids. <laughs> I couldn't survive. But they believed the promise even though they didn't see the promise. And that's something that happens in your spiritual life. There comes a point in time where you start believing the promise even though you don't see the promise. You just know that God says it's true. Hebrews 11:11 11 says, By faith Sarah herself received the power to conceive even though she was past age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Abraham shared faith with his wife. And his wife got her own faith and just believed that God would keep his word. Because she considered God to be faithful to what he said. It was no longer her listening to what God said to Abraham. It was what God said to Sarah. And she believed the promises of God. Abraham saw the miracles performed by God and his obedience to the word of God. Even when she was past age, the Bible says, that's a miracle. Come on, 90? Some of you 40-year-olds are glad you're not having children anymore. Not just... <laughs> Thank you, Pat. When they were past age, a child born to a couple well beyond their years, God made a promise and kept his promise. And that's, what the powerful, that's what's powerful in the miracle. See, God will keep his word even beyond the time you think he's going to do it. Even when you think it's too late, even when you think it's impossible, even when you think it can't happen, there's nothing impossible to God. Again, if your God's not a God of miracles, he's not much of a God. And Abraham sacrificed his greatest gift by faith in the resurrection of power of God. God gave them that son in their late 
years. They named him Isaac, meaning laughter, because while Abraham and Sarah believed in God, it seemed unlikely that a ch child was going to come. So it's kind of funny when God says, okay, now, now that you're 90, I'm going to give you that child. Thanks, God. <laughs> but one day when Isaac was a teen, God came to Abraham and offered him to sacrifice his only son on Mount Moriah. And even though he loved his son dearly, he had no problem sacrificing his son to God because God said it. Because his spiritual life was such that he just believed that God could resurrect his son from the dead. And that's what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was an act of offering his only son. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. That he considered God was able to even raise him from the dead. Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Could you imagine God asking you to take the very thing you love the most that you waited for that God has blessed you with and said, I want you to sacrifice them for me? That's a whole different level of faith, is it not? But the truth is, I don't think our faith journey is much different. There's a point to where we all sought the one true God. Is that not true? You experienced religion. You were often educated falsely by people around you. And you just wanted to know the one true God. It wasn't enough to hear about others talk about him. You wanted to talk to him. And you sought after him and you found him. And you found that God to be alive and real. You found him to be holy. You found him to be honest about your sin and your salvation. You found him to be loving so much that he would sacrifice his only son for your sins. You found him to be relational, that he wants to walk with you and talk with you on the earth. Not just talk through the preacher on Sunday, but talk through the person sitting in the pew on Monday. Amen. So much that he wants to live inside of you and to be known as the dwelling place of God. That God himself wants to indwell you. That we're the temple of the living God. That we are the... Just for a moment, just think about that. Have you found that God where he wants to indwell you and you become the dwelling place of God? Yes. So you can give it away. And we surrendered our lives to him by trusting his word. Remember when you started trusting his word? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember that? If whoever trusts in the Lord with all their heart and doesn't lean on their own understanding and if you acknowledge him as God, he'll find clear direction for your life. Remember when you started to do that? Do you remember when you started to do that? When you started to trust the word of God? You didn't always understand where he was going to take you, but you just believed what the word of God says and you started testing it, trying it. We began to live our lives in obedience to God. Do you remember that? Remember the times that your faith failed? Come on now. Please tell me, like, if you're newly saved and you haven't failed yet, praise God for you. <laughs> Tomorrow's coming. And I'm sure there's going to be something that's going to cause you to fear and fail in, in, in trusting God. There's times we doubted God. There's times we disobeyed God. There's times we got discouraged and distanced ourselves. Our fear overruling our faith. Come on, have, have, am I the only one that has experienced that in my life? 
And he taught us that sin or living life without any authority was not a great way to live. So we made lifestyle changes according to the word of God. Like, like there's things that we used to do that we just had to stop doing because it wasn't what God was, thought was best for us. And it would just convict you when you're around these things. Like there's people that used to hang around. You just can't hang around anymore. Not that they're horrible. It's just they're just not good for you. Some were significant changes, some were small changes, but those of us who have the Spirit of God indwelling us listened as He challenged us to change. As the Spirit of God saying, that's not healthy, and that began to stir your heart and kind of get you sick to your stomach. Have you ever been in that situation? Where you watch something on TV and you realize that's not something a Christian should be watching. That's not something a Christian should be listening to. And the Spirit of God is inside of you saying, yeah, that's bad for you, stop it. And because we're in Christ, we became new creations. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're not the same person that you were. If you're the same person that you were, you did not find the one true God. Because the Spirit of God doesn't indwell you. Christ is a pseudo-savior to you. And you become more like Jesus, less like your culture. In fact, on your Facebook page, you see the face of Jesus. Oh, so that's not happened yet. We'll get there. <laughs> I thought about that the other day. Every Facebook page should, instead of representing ourselves, it should represent Jesus because Christ is in us, right? Yes. So when people come to your Facebook page, they should see who? Jesus. And you began to share these promises with your family. Your family started to recognize something's different about mom. She's being nice. <laughs> what happened? She's not yelling and screaming all day long. What happened? Dad, he's actually engaging in something other than the TV. Dad, he's actually talking about this Jesus guy. And he's starting to be kind. And he's trying to bring us up right in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we bring our kids to church and we don't bring them to church just to bring them to church. We bring them to church to have them exposed to people who are the temple of the living God. Amen. We don't want them just to come to church out of religion. We want them to realize there's a whole room full, filled with people that are filled with the spirit of God and they become the temple of the living God and we get to see God through them. And as you obeyed the word of God, you began to see God move in miraculous ways. Your life has been changed. Your life has been changed. Your family's life will be changed. Your co-workers' lives will change. Your friends' lives will change because God's began to do some miracles around you. But see, this is the level where few Christians experience the next step. I think it's because most Christians believe that leaving a faith, a false faith and finding a true faith is kind of a, a big step. Like if I left my father's faith and I found faith myself, that, that's a pretty big move. I have this faith in Jesus Christ now that's not my mother calling me and asking if I'm going to go to church today. Come on now. And she's 80. And you're 60. And you still haven't got it. 
So when you've made that step of faith on your own and you're no longer living under your parents' faith or living under your culture's faith, that seems like a big move. And you start living your life according to the word of God and that seems like a big move. I'm, I'm going to do what the Bible says and that seems like a big step of faith. And you fail, but you find your way back. And that seems like a big deal. Like, how many of you have fallen away from God and then found your way back? How many prodigals are in the room? Five of us. And the rest of you are still being prodigal right now. Don't worry, the Father's waiting for you. He'll be there when you come back. But if you found your way back, you realize how hard that is because you've got to deal with the guilt and the shame and the fear and the blame and you got to deal with all the sin that you committed and you got to come back and you got to repent it's hard to repent because we'd rather be right okay Julian liked that one he's the only one that liked that one. and separating ourselves from ungodly culture seems like a big move like when we actually choose to live by the scripture and separate ourselves from worldly things. That's a big move. That, that's, when, a, when a family does that, that's a big move. Now, you also think it's a big move when you share your, the promises of God with your family. Like, if you can get your family to want to come to church, big deal. Like, when your kids are teenagers and they want to show up. Like, really, that's a big deal if you can get that to happen. And so we, we, we rest at the end of all these and think, okay, that's enough. We see God do miraculous things because you've obeyed the word of God and it seems like it's a big move. Like you've seen God do things that were impossible to do. They wouldn't have happened without God and you've seen it happen. He's changed your home. He's changed your life. He's changed your viewpoint. He's changed everything. And that's like a big deal. Once you see God do the miraculous, like you feel like you've hit the pinnacle. If God can change my heart, he can change anybody's heart. Before I found the one true God, I didn't like people. I do like them now. They're laughing because they're not sure that's true. But I used to not like people. I definitely didn't want to stand before people. Now I've been doing it for 25 years. If God can change me from somebody who struggled with people to somebody who serves people, if God can, that's a miracle. I am a living miracle. Don't pat me on the back. I didn't do it. He did. If God can make me the husband that I am because I, I wasn't the best husband early on. If he can make me a good husband. If he can make me a godly husband. If I can be lucky enough for her to still stay with me after 37 uh -oh. <laughs> years going on 38. I'm the one that remembers. <laughs> She's just along for the ride because it's been such a good ride with me. That's a miracle. God's done miracles in your life. You're not the same people that you were when I first met you. Y'all were screwed up. And he's changed you and he's made you passionate. Like... You're, I was listening to the song set today and I was thinking, you're singing that beautiful song like he's right in the room. I remember when you first came and you weren't singing anything. Guys. 
But see, it's at this point of Christianity or Christian maturity that we've believed God that we need to take the next step. That whatever we give him, he will bless, even if it's our most prized possession, because we know that God can resurrect the dead. There's a point in your spiritual life where he's going to move you to a place to where that next step is to sacrifice everything that you've gained. I'll say it again. We think the first step, six steps of Abraham's life as a big sacrifice. Leaving your parents' faith for your own, obeying the word of God, even the parts you don't understand. You've failed but been restored because you repented of your sin and that's hard. You've changed your whole lifestyle to represent Christ. Your family sees the truth of Jesus in you and you see God do miraculous things, especially in gar- regarding your life being transformed. But what do you do when God asks you to give up all that you've gained? Do you believe that God can resurrect the dead? Amen. Jesus thought he was, I'm sorry, Peter thought that he was good. He thought that he was spiritual. But when challenged, he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came to him and he said, do you love me more than these? What are you saying? Do you love people more than you love me? Do you love people more than you love me? And he was saying to Peter, I want you to sacrifice your love of praise and your love of pats on the back for a different kind of life. For a life that comes with pain and problems. Because see, I see that God has made such a difference in your lives. And he's given you so much and it's so easy to just get to number six and say, okay, I'm cruising now. God's made these changes in my life. Everything's good. What, now you want the rest of my life? Are you willing to put on the altar of God the complete offering of your life? Do you love me more than these? Jesus himself illustrated that if we loved him, if we truly loved him, it would seem like everything else would be as if we hated it. Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What he's saying is if you truly have made him your Lord and Savior, you would have such a deep love with him, such an all-consuming passion for him, that it would seem like every other human relationship, by contrast, would look like hatred. He's not saying to hate those things. He's saying your love for me should contrast so much love, it's so different, that it should seem as if you hate everything else. He's asking us to constantly monitor, daily monitor, the love that we have for him. How much love do you have for him today? To the point of replacing even the love of ourself with the love of him. Do you love him today more than you love yourself? See, we should hate any motion in our heart towards something other than him. When our heart starts being drawn to something other than Him, if you've met the one true God and you've obeyed His word and you failed and found forgiveness, and I can't remember the rest of it, 
and you've shared the promise with your family, and you've moved to stay clean from the culture, and you've seen him change your life and the life of your family and your friends and your marriage, then anything that would draw me away from that, it should seem like I hate that thing. That we would hate any competition in our heart for someone else. Like there came a point in my spiritual life where I had to choose, do I love my wife more than God? Do I love my spouse more than God? She had to come to the same conclusion. Who do I love more? Do I love because I was anti-Christianity and anti-church for a long time. She just stuck her nose up in the air and came to church anyway and worshiped God. She just turned to worship me and she would just pray when we were in a fight. Unfair. It's hard to fight with somebody who's talking to God. But anything that's in competition in our heart, he wants it to seem like we love him so much that we, would, we, we hate the other. That we would hate any priority in our heart for anything else. Like you wake up on Sunday morning and you got to choose, what's my priority today? Is my priority to be with God's people as God commanded me to be? Or is my priority to be by myself for myself? It should seem like you hate being by yourself because you so love being with where God wants you to be with God's people. And that you would hate any practice in our heart that would take even one step away from, from God. Come on, haven't you done that? You've, you've, you've done something, you know, you've just taken one step away from God and you should, you should hate that. Like, you should, there should be this hatred of, I can't believe I took that step away from God. See, after experiencing life with God, Abraham was so in love with God that he was willing to sacrifice his greatest love. Knowing that God loved him so much that if God required him to give his son up, God would give his son back to him. See, if you're in the first few steps of Christian growth, you might think that God's asking too much. You're just not there yet. You need to get to know who God is. You need to just start obeying his word. Make, make, do the simple stuff. Like pray without ceasing. That doesn't cost you anything. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Just study the word of God. Just st- don't just read it. Study it. Stop scrolling Facebook because you say, I don't have time to read my Bible. It's because you're scrolling Facebook and you're being filled up with ungodly things and it's tormenting your soul. That's why you all quit Facebook for a while and then you go back to it and then you quit Facebook for a while and you come back to it. TikTok, whatever, I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I'm, I'm at an age where I don't care anymore. I can't see the screen anyway, so. So if you're in your first step, just start doing the, ba- like, get to know him, start obeying him, start repenting of sin when you've realized that's what you've done. He's not asking you to sacrifice your son today if you're new to this. But there will be a point in time where he's going to want to know, do you love me more than these? See, one, at some point you'll know the, and understand the love of God so well that you'll be willing to trust him with everything and anything. Because you know God will always give you back what you love. 
So he called upon the name of the Lord, trusting in the name of Jesus in his sacrifice on the altar of God. That his sacrifice paid for our sins and brought us back to a relationship with God. And we found the one true God through Jesus. At that moment you called upon God, God himself indwelt you through the Holy Spirit. God himself is in you. God himself is in you. And with his presence clearly understood within us, we left all and followed him because we knew that we had the presence of God with us no matter where we went. He would never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise of God. And we started obeying the word of God even though we didn't understand it. And we failed and asked forgiveness and were forgiven because we repented. We didn't just feel remorse of what, what we did. We said, I can't do that anymore. I can't love God and love this sin. I, the scripture just came to mind. I can't love God and money. You'll get there someday where you realize God's greater than the money that you think you need, need to worship. We realize there are things we need to change about our lives because there's sin that we need to separate from. And some of you right now got some sin you need to separate from. And our family and friends will begin to notice that you became better people, more like Jesus. I believe every marriage can be saved in America if people just have the Spirit of God indwelling both partners. And then you let Him lead. And you've experienced the miracles of life change. You're not the same person that you were before you met God. And it might not be you. It might be somebody around you that's like, what happened to that person? Like, they used to go out partying with me, and we used to have a great time. Now they're high on Jesus, and they're at church all the time, and they're serving, and they're always talking about Jesus, and they're reading the Bible all the time. They won't even respond to my texts. And there comes a point where you find in God through Jesus Christ a life so full and fantastic that if he asks you to offer him your greatest earthly love you have, you will put it on the altar of God. That, my friends, is superhero faith. Where you get to that place in life where there's nothing on this earth that is more important than knowing and loving and serving God. There comes this point in time where you realize there is nothing more valuable than my relationship with God. There's nothing more important than my relationship with God. There's nothing more special than my relationship with God. And everything that you used to love now is just thrown on the altar of God. Here, God, you take it. I don't know. I don't need this. I just need you. I just need you. I just need... When was the last time you just cried out in prayer, God, I just need you. I just need you. I just need you. I don't need all these other things. I don't need all this other stuff. I don't need all these possessions. I don't need more money. I need more of you. I need more of you. I need more of you. See, I don't know where you are in your faith journey. But if you're living by faith, that's where it's going to go. At some point in time, you'll realize there's nothing more important than the return of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than spending time in my word. I, I got so frustrated this week. I got interrupted multiple times. Spend, trying to spend, I was just trying to spend time with God. And people didn't mean to get in the way. It's just, they just do. And the question kept coming to me. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? 
And I said, Lord, you know that I love you more than those. And then he tells you what to do. Do you love him more than your greatest love on earth? Inside of each one. Could you imagine a church filled with people that were willing to sacrifice everything they have for God? Could you imagine a church filled with people? What, what that would do to a community if we were just so passionately in love with Jesus that anything that is of ourselves we would just sacrifice and say, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. I, that's nothing compared to you. It's like the pearl of great price. Once you find it, you leave everything to find just, just to go dig, just to go buy that pearl of great price. If you're following Jesus, that's your future. We're all going to get to that place where we have to decide what do we love more? What do you love more? What is he asking of you today? It might just be he's asking you to search for the one true God. It might just be that he's asking you to trust his word. It could be any of these. Not, now, th this isn't a comprehensive set of things that you're going to, to do. It's just the example that we have in the scriptures. He obeyed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. What would be counted to righteousness for you? Would your faith be evidence that your God is real? Let's stand if we could. Father, we've been here a long time and I'm I wish these people could see the possibility of what would happen if they would just surrender to the Spirit of God today. That if they would just surrender to the Spirit of God today. Because it might be on their heart that they don't know the one true God. Maybe today's the day they start seeking for Him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, with all their strength, mind with all their strength. It might be we're just in a newer place, Lord God, and we, we need to kind of understand what the future is. That faith should be growing, that faith should be developing into greater faith. And then if we're not developing into greater faith, we might not have true faith to start with. Or it might just be maybe we're at that place where you're asking us to offer up the one thing we love more than him. That we've come to a place in our lives where we realize there's nothing more greater in our world, in my world, in my life, than to give God every aspect of my life. Speak to their hearts from where they're at, Lord. Let our faith grow. 
heads bowed and eyes closed. If the Lord's touched your heart and you want to talk to him, why don't you come to this altar? Let our faith rise. What's he saying to you this morning? What's he speaking to you about? Let our faith rise. Hear my voice, child. Hear my voice, child. I have plans for you. You just have to believe. I have plans for you. You just have to believe. Stand on my promises. Stand on my promises. And just have faith. Just have faith. What will your faith accomplish? Just have faith. What will your faith accomplish on this earth? Will you move mountains? Will you cast them into the sea? Will you be life changers? Will you be home changers? Or will you just cruise through this life taking your salvation for granted? When God's got so much greater for you, God's got so much more of himself that he wants to reveal to you, Spirit of the living God indwells you. There's so much more. Why would you settle for an empty experience with God when you can have such a fullness if you just lived by faith? You gotta have faith. Fathers, we prepare to leave this place. to leave this place, Lord God. I just, I need you to move in their hearts. I am excited to see the fruit of your work. Encourage their hearts, Lord God, though, to step into it. To not be afraid of their future because we believe in the one true God. We love you so. We just pray that you encourage these people as they leave this place that they seek your face today. We love you in Jesus. We pray and all God's people said. You stay in worship if you'd like. Otherwise, God bless guys. Have a great week. Please don't forget your kids.
have to believe you keep your promises you keep your promises our futures are planned for us our futures are planned for us you gotta have faith you gotta have faith you have to believe you have to believe We believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. We're standing on your promises, cause we believe. We're standing on your promises, cause we believe. Come speak to us now. speak to us more Lord we want to hear you come speak to us more Lord we want to hear you come speak to us more Lord we want to hear you make us like you make us like you Make us like you. Make us like you. Make us like you. Oh, increase our faith. Increase our belief. Increase our faith. We just need need more we just need to believe you lead us where you want us to go we just need to believe that you will lead us where you want us to go and we'll follow we'll follow we'll follow we'll follow we'll follow we'll follow Faith, increase my faith, 
increase my faith increase my belief increase my belief increase my belief in you I want to see more miracles I want to see more miracles I want to see more miracles Cause I believe there's more There's more I believe there's more There's more just increase our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our faith.